Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. My name is Kate Macri, and I'm the host for today's episode. Today, we're going to dive into the Army's digital transformation strategy with Army CIO, Dr. Raj Iyer. Dr. Iyer has big goals for the Department of the Army. He wants to achieve multi-domain operations by 2028 and considers data a critical asset to meeting that goal. He considers talent, especially AI talent, to be the Army's biggest challenge to modernizing IT. Dr. Iyer's most revolutionary initiative, however, is his desire to democratize data and AI for soldiers so they can solve IT problems to meet mission needs on the go. The blueprint for Dr. Iyer's vision is found within the Army's digital transformation strategy. So to start off today's conversation, Dr. Iyer, can you talk to us a little bit about the Army Digital Transformation Strategy and what you're excited about with this strategy going into 2022? Yeah, thanks for that question. So the Army Digital Transformation Strategy is all about, you know, taking the Army, you know, into the digital age and uh, getting us to be much more data centric in terms of decision making and in terms of how we operate the Army, both from a warfighting perspective as well as the business operations of the Army. And um, as you're tracking, you know, the Army is on a modernization path right now. And our aim is to get to, um, you know, a multi-domain capable force uh, by 2028 and in support of that transformation to achieve and successfully fight in multi-domain, data is an absolutely critical asset. And um, the Army Digital Transformation Strategy is all about us you know, achieving that unity of effort and unity of vision in terms of aligning the organization around the priorities to achieve that vision. And, um, and data and AI are two of those key components of, you know, from that digital transformation strategy as key enablers. So how will AI help the Army accomplish its three objectives in the digital transformation strategy to become more adaptable and agile and tech savvy? And what role do you see the Army's AI innovation playing in DOD's overall digital modernization strategy and JADC2? Yeah. So, uh, so the three objectives in the Army Digital Transformation Strategy, the first is supporting readiness and modernization. And as I just briefly said, you know, uh, AI is an integral component of how the Army is modernizing. Every one of our platforms that we're modernizing through the cross-functional teams, whether it's long-range precision fires or the next generation combat vehicle or the future vertical lift, I mean, these these are all platforms that um, that from the get go we're having AI integrated into that as a requirement, and because we know that our platforms of the future are going to be not just consuming large volumes of data, but as sensors going to be generating large volumes of data as well, and so it's critically important that we have the right architecture and the digital tools in place to be able to harness the power of that data. And so AI is critical in terms of being able to process such large volumes of data 
in a in a very predictive way um, and to support several various warfighting requirements. On the readiness side, um, AI is already playing a critical role for us today. Uh, through some of the technologies like robotic process automation, and uh, where we're looking at taking, you know, how you know we can take some of our manual processes and automate them using bots. And um, our audit readiness area is one of those areas where we have some tremendous results leveraging robotic process automation today. And um, and as we continue to build army readiness, current readiness our reliance on bots and other automation technologies are gonna be critical in terms of being able to do things in a really efficient and effective way. The second objective in the, AD, in the Army Digital Transformation Strategy is all about reform. And um, on, on this side, you know, AI is critical in terms of us looking, uh, seeing ourselves better through data and then being able to predict um, and, 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 you know, and, and then do some modeling and simulation around you know, what should the army portfolio look like for the future you know, and how should we resource that and how should you know, it be balanced and realigned in such a way to achieve the optimal portfolio. So uh, we truly believe that uh, AI has a role to play there. And then finally, the, um, and, and the most important piece is from a people and talent perspective, the Army Digital Transformation Strategy calls for the Army to become both tech savvy and data savvy. And uh, in order to be able to fully achieve digital transformation at scale. And, um, and we know that today we have, that, we have a deficit in the Army and quite frankly across the DOD. And, uh, and so it's really important for us to upskill and reskill our workforce to be able to take advantage of these digital technologies. So uh, a key effort uh, on the AI side is um, our establishment of the Artificial Intelligence Integration Center or AI2C in Pittsburgh, where we're working very closely with Carnegie Mellon you know, on, on programs to basically educate, um, upskill and certify our soldiers and civilians on artificial intelligence. So when they come back to the force, um, they are not just agents of change, but also bring in deep, deep technical expertise on AI to be able to initiate these, uh, these innovation efforts. As part of how we're working with DOD, I would say, you know, we know that in future, you know, with, with JATC2 that, you know, we are going to have to fully integrate our efforts with the other services, the joint staff, um, and, and so, and the combatant commands. And so right from the get-go, we have a very concerted effort to work joint on things like artificial intelligence. And so we're taking the lead from the DOD's AI strategy and uh, closely following the efforts uh, led by the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center, the Jake and others um, so that we are fully aligned and integrated in those efforts so we do not go duplicate any capabilities. I think it is an evolving area where we have uh, clearly much work to do, but I believe we have a good foundation and the framework in place for us to work together collaboratively. I wanted to follow up on that a little bit. You mentioned having the right architecture is critically important to implementing your digital transformation strategy. Can you expound on what the right architecture will look like for the Army? Yeah, so uh, so that's a loaded question. And again, when we say architecture, I think we have to look at all you know aspects of architecture, starting from the operational architecture to a system architecture to a technical architecture. And so, so that is the approach that the Army is taking is that integrated architecture approach. The architecture approach is critical because you know the the way we fight in future through multi-domain and concepts like JATC2 
is going to mean that we need to model those operational processes and those operational architectures to reflect <clears throat> the future fight. And, and so a good understanding of those mission threads and how they align to the joint warfighting concept, as an example, are going to be critical. And then, you know, the next level below that is, you know, the system architecture. And so this is also going to be critical because not only in future are we going to have these modern systems that I talked about um, that we're developing now and will be in the future fight, but we know that we have a number of enduring systems that we have to continue to integrate with and fight with. And, and so it's important that we have that interoperability and integration um, at the system level. So these systems are able to pass data seamlessly and are able to process data, process data at the edge you know, at the speed of war. And, and that means that AI algorithms have to be integrated and inserted <clears throat> at the edge to support these platforms. And so, so we're fully cognizant of the fact that we, what this will mean is that, you know, we have to take a portfolio approach and we have to take a fully integrated approach to not just you know, not just a platform-centric approach, but when we take a data-centric approach, we got to look across platforms to see how this data needs to flow. And then finally, from a technical architecture or a data architecture perspective, it all comes down to what data standards can we use to achieve interoperability, because the key to artificial intelligence is all about the data. And so it's really critically important that we understand, you know, how we're able to pass data across platforms, how we're able to make sense of the data and uh, bring context to the data, how we're able to control access to the data at various classification levels, and then how we're able to, like I said, run the right algorithms uh, at echelon uh, to support decision-making. So, so this is our, our integrator architecture approach to, um, to, um, to how these pieces all need to come together um, to support JADC2. You mentioned that AI is all about data. Can you talk a little bit more about AI and the top three AI use cases that you think will benefit the Army the most? Yeah, I'd say, you know, I mean, we're one of the things that we're really trying to do with AI and data as a whole is to really democratize that. So, which means what that means is that we want to empower, you know, every every soldier in any unit to be able to get access to data and then to be able to do the things that they need to at the unit level and not have to rely on some kind of central uh, workforce, centralized workforce or, or, a, or an enterprise organization to be the sole provider of those services to them. So, so this really means that uh, this is a more of a grounds up approach that we're taking. And now that doesn't mean we do not have top-down approaches. Clearly, we have an Army AI strategy in place. And, and we are within our C Army cloud platform, we are building capabilities to support AI development. So most recently, you know, we were able to get a full AI development platform called CoEase. Uh, implemented in the in our C Army cloud and is fully accredited now. And using this, we have a number of units uh, such as the 18th Airborne Corps, the 82nd, and so on, who are actually now taking that platform and building AI algorithms and integrating uh, data at the edge for many of these mission use cases that I talked about. So our intent is to make sure that we are able to provide these accredited standard set of tools um, for the army to use so that we can reduce the barrier to entry for the workforce to be able to adopt artificial intelligence. In terms of the specific use cases, clearly we've, we've seen that, you know, JATC2 is one where we have a, um, a clear need in order to be able to harness and process large volumes of data. 
across different classification levels, and then tying that into mission threads such as sensor to shooter. And, and if you really want to make that process successful, we got to look at you know, how quickly we can harness data and how quickly we can come up with options for the commander to select from in terms of you know, leveraging you know, whether they want to go with a, a kinetic attack or a non-kinetic effect. And, and so, so we're, we have been experimenting with these concepts um, through project convergence. And uh, most recently, um, late last year, when we had um, Project Convergence 21 at Yuma, um, we were actually we were able to validate that, you know, how AI can be used to actually automate and integrate data from multiple platforms and systems, including, by the way, you know, our, our sister services like the F-35. And when we did that, we were able to show that the sensor to shooter process end-to-end, -end, I mean, we were able to reduce the, the timeline associated with that by, uh, by orders of magnitude, right, to doing a completely manual approach. And so, um, so that's clearly a, a process that we, we have optimized, but we still see room for even greater optimization because when we have to fight at the speed of hypersonic, it's really important, critical that you know the data and the processing happens in in seconds and not minutes and hours. So so that's the journey we're on, and that's a critical core um, priority for us. Like I said, we're also looking at um, you know at the unit level how we can enable you know support and sustainment processes. Uh, predictive maintenance is one of them. You know we have we have you know aircraft and uh, and tanks and other platforms that have some very 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 expensive you know hardware in them and spare parts that we cannot afford you know for for them to fail in the field and so uh, but we also know that these platforms are now fully censored and so we're able to get good prognostics and diagnostics data from these platforms to tell us you know how well these platforms are running and when they might need you know preventive maintenance or they might actually fail. And so being able to take this data and then being able to run them through AI algorithms to understand you know, the risks that we might be taking on and when we should order the right parts to the supply chain so that we can get to that just-in-time inventory, I think is another really good use case that, that we're looking at. And then finally, like I said, you know, all things um, AI don't have to be really complex and difficult. You know, robotic process automation is probably one of those little things that you can do in our maturity journey. And so this year, we're actually implementing a robotic automation platform in our C-Army cloud. And what the platform will do is enable our workforce to go build bots at scale in a fully accredited environment um, to be able to automate a lot of processes. It could be little things, little tasks that, you know, little mundane manual tasks that they do every day, which bots can now do for them. And that is a journey we're on this year as well. Where do you see some of the biggest benefits from this RPA platform launch later this year? Yeah, so uh, the RPA, like I said, is going to be taking away a lot of the manual steps um, in processes. Um, so much of this is on, on, on the financial management side, whether it's invoicing and how we handle that, you know, how we work with our um, third party, part, you know, other partners, including, you know, the fourth estate. You know, when when we work with the industry or when we work outside of the army environment, we know that a lot of times, you know, the data that comes in is usually locked into a PDF file or it gets locked into, you know, a spreadsheet and then is not always in a system. And then we find that 
you know, these things get, you know, there's somebody sitting somewhere who is, you know, manually loading these things into a system. And so, so these are the kinds of processes that we want to automate. It could be on the travel side, um, how we process, you know, PCSs, um, how we process awards, how we process, you know, changes to personnel actions, um, like I said, invoicing with vendors, uh, contracting actions, and then, you know, a lot of data cleansing in our financial systems to support audit readiness is also being currently done through AI bots, and we'll continue to see um, that scale in FY22. So you've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to just dig into this topic a little bit more about how AI can help facilitate better data decision-making, interoperability, data sharing, and even auditability through the RPA platform that you're launching. Can you talk a little bit about how you consider the Army's role in facilitating better interoperability and auditability throughout DOD when it comes to data and AI? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question. And I think uh, all of the services and the department as a whole, you know, is looking at this as a priority right now. And when we talk about data, you know, the, what, I, what I always remind people is that, um, you know, the DOD, you know, has, has mastered the art and maybe the science of being able to acquire platforms, right? Whether it's weapon system platforms or IT systems. And what we have, what we are not used to is understanding or knowing how to buy data and how to procure data. And so, uh, so invariably what happens is uh, data becomes an afterthought. And, and because the systems and the platforms that we buy are very, you know, unique and tailored to meet a specific mission requirement or an operational need, and, and usually those kind of narrow siloed requirements uh, don't always call for, you know, a JATC2 interoperability type requirement. And again, not because, you know, no one wanted to do that, it's because these new warfighting constructs and how we're going to fight in future are evolving, right? And so, um, and so without having, without knowing what those you know, requirements are, it's hard to put that in writing into a contract and have and, and ask for industry to deliver on that. So it's, it's really a chicken and egg complex problem because if you don't know, if you don't have all the details of how you're gonna use the data and what you're gonna use it for, but yet you want the data, you know, and, and you're telling industry that you want this data, then the challenge is going to be, well, can you afford it? And how can you scope this the right way? So, so there is not an easy answer to this. However, what, what we have been telling our acquisition community and the requirements developers is that we should have a certain level of flexibility and trade space in our requirements process, in our acquisition process to be able to address data. And typically, if you don't do that, what happens is, you know, as a, a program manager in an acquisition shop, is really going to be looking at three variables, right? Cost, schedule, and performance. And if data is not one of those key performance parameters, is not a key attribute, it's it it can get easily it can be easily traded off. So it's really important that we you know that we understand you know what the data requirements are, build in flexibility into the architecture, and there's things that we can do from a technical perspective to enable that flexibility. And one of those things, for example, is ensuring that when systems are getting built. You know that we that the data that's being generated is one is it's not proprietary, 
you know, conforms to open standards um, as much as possible. And then leveraging things like, you know, APIs, application programming interfaces, so that that data can be seamlessly, you know, integrated into another system. And, and if we have, if we build enough flexibility in here, to be able to expose the data from these systems so other systems can consume them, even though we may not need, uh, we may not know upfront how all of this data is gonna be used, at least we know how we can get to the data when we need it and where we need it. And, and so this is a journey. It clearly means that how we've been operating as a DOD for the last several years and decades has to, like I said, change from that platform-centric approach to a data-centric approach. So what are some of the biggest challenges associated with AI development and deployment at the Army right now? And how do you plan to mitigate these challenges within your digital transformation strategy? Yeah, I would just focus on one. And I think the one big um, challenge, obviously, is the, is the talent. And, and by the way, this is not just an army problem or a DOD problem. This is pretty much, you know, uh, an all of nation um, problem as well, because, you know, we, we as a nation just don't have, in, we don't generate enough data scientists and people that are, you know, that can, you know, be hands-on with AI. And, and so a key, key priority in our, our army digital transformation strategy, the line of effort, you know, the objective three, is all about, like I said, you know, it's building that future, the digital workforce of the future. And, and AI is clearly a huge component of that, that future workforce. And, and so we recognize that this is one where uh, we have to partner really closely with industry and academia. As I mentioned, you know, our partnership with Carnegie Mellon is, um, you know, the, probably the number one university in the world when it comes to AI um, has been extremely successful for us. I mean, the number of, you know, army personnel and soldiers that we have put through that program and how they've been able to come back and deliver um, has been immensely successful. Um, likewise, what we have found is that, you know, when we are partnered with, you know, academia like that, we also have access to um, great students that graduate from these schools and, and we're able to tap into that labor market as well. If we can show them, you know, how they can be in, you know, in support of national security and the role that they're going to play is going to be so critically fundamental, you know, to the, you know, to the, to the security of the nation. And, and so, so we see a huge talent pool there, you know, in, with academia. And then finally, with industry, what we're finding is that, you know, and again, what I have been discussing with industry leaders when I meet with CEOs all the time is, you know, how, how can we better partner so, you know, you know, we are able to, you know, learn from you. We may not always buy your products and we can buy every product that, you know, that industry creates, but how can we establish, you know, a good collaborative partnership um, where we can learn from you? How can we have, you know, rotations with industry where we're able to send our personnel over to industry to spend some development time, and then industry can send their folks to come work in the army for some time um, to help, you know, educate and train our workforce on AI. And so, so we see some great benefits there, and um, and it, it's a hard problem, but it's one that uh, we have started to uh, to address. Has your work with Army Futures Command? helped you at all with the AI talent shortage? And how does Army Futures Command in general inform your digital transformation and AI development? 
Yeah, so the Army Futures Command is um, is taking guidance from the Army Digital Transformation Strategy. The Army Digital Transformation Strategy is the overarching uh, framework, and um, you know, for the entire United States Army. And so, Army Futures Command and their implementation of their various modernization efforts through the through the six cross-functional teams, as well as the efforts. Um, through the AI2C, the AI Integration Center at Pittsburgh, all come under the framework of the ADTS. And, um, and so we have good governance in place to make sure that Army Futures Command is following the, the key tenants and the principles laid out in the digital transformation strategy. Uh, we have good governance in place to make sure that we're working collaboratively with them. We're providing oversight over those efforts, and we're working with you know several of the cross-functional teams. You know, the network cross-functional team is one great example that where we have a very very tight close partnership of looking at you know how the unified network to support multi-domain operations needs to be modernized to support you know requirements like such large, you know, moving less large volumes of data uh, in need of AI at the edge. And, and so these requirements are evolving as we work with the cross-functional teams. We're influencing the direction in which they're going. And then any lessons learned that they have working with industry and academia can also help shape the strategy uh, for the Army in future. So I just have one more question for you before we wrap up. Can you talk a little bit about the Army's plan to use AI in cybersecurity? Yeah, so this is another area that that I forgot to mention earlier has some tremendous benefits, and we're starting to do this already today. It it used to be in the past that, you know, that cybersecurity was all about, you know, a perimeter perimeter in-depth approach to protecting our networks. And you know, with the zero trust architecture that is now mandated by OMB down to DOD and to us, um, we have to take an approach where we really have to have a, um, you know, it's all about data. It's all about understanding what is the network traffic, who's on your, who's on your network, what, how are they coming in, what devices are they using, who are they, what access do they have, and are we seeing any anomalous behavior on the network? Because we know that our attack surface area, whether it's through the software supply chain and COTS products, or whether it's potential vulnerabilities that might be out there, um, you know, whether it's log4j or solar winds that you know that happen, it, it is very clear that you know we need an approach where we are monitoring the networks at a, at a you know using a lot of data and at a scale that we haven't in the past. And so when you want to do that, when you deal with such large volumes of data, AI becomes absolutely critical in understanding you know where the anomalous behavior might be. So today, you know, through our Gabriel Nimbus big data platform. Um, we collect petabytes of data on our network and our systems and our applications, and then we are using AI to pour through that data and to analyze the data at scale to find this kind of anomalous behavior on our networks. And I can tell you that with both Log4j as well as SolarWinds, we were able to find this anomalous, you know, uh, behavior on our networks. You know, the, and and we knew that we have been potentially compromised way before a lot of other folks even found out about it. So so we know we have a great success story in front of us. We just need to continue to work on, you know, additional, uh, you know, as our, you know, the uh, our adversaries get more and more creative with their attack vectors, 
uh, we just need to make sure that our AI algorithms, you know, are keeping up and, and are able to find, you know, these attack vectors in future. In light of keeping up and staying on top of these AI developments, just to close us out, can you talk about what your primary priorities are as CIO and how you see your role in helping the Army modernize and transform into the future? Yeah, great question. So I, you know, obviously there's a lot to do here. And as a CIO, it is not, it is not my responsibility to go implement every one of the things we just talked about. So it's really my job is to make sure that we're here as enablers to help the rest of the army innovate at scale using AI. And so really what we're trying to do is to become the easy button for the army. And like I said, there's two or three ways in which we do that. One is the establishment of these common tools and platforms. So, you know, having one accredited environment in the cloud, you know, so everybody doesn't have to go, you know, build their own environments to do AI is one of them. That's important. The second one is uh, the strategy piece, right? Making sure that, you know, staying, we're staying in, in, in alignment. Um, with the DOD CIO and, and all the other stakeholders, keeping everybody fully integrated um, through governance is another piece. And then the third piece, probably the most important one, is we have a big role to play in terms of relooking and reassessing all of the policies that we have, our traditional IT policies, as I call them, that all need to be really reassessed in the context of you know big data and ai and we can we consistently find that you know the reason why we're not able to take advantage of some of these digital technologies is you know these policies have been written 20 30 years ago didn't reflect you know what digital truly means and so we're you know as we unearth you know bottlenecks um, in policy we're taking the opportunity to go address them one such area is indeed cybersecurity and you know how do we protect you know artificial intelligence algorithms and code and uh, you know achieving reciprocity you know for taking you know one set of code from one network into another network because when we're in the joint fight and especially one you know with our allied nation partners it's really important that we achieve reciprocity for this code and for this for these AI algorithms. And so that's an area of importance from a policy perspective um, so that we're truly interoperable. Well, in light of reassessing IT policies within the context of big data and AI, it sounds like the Army's digital transformation strategy is a great place to start. Oh, it absolutely is because again, it prioritizes you know the you know the areas where we want to focus on in you know especially this year in FY twenty two, and so we wanna we wanna take a realistic approach to to AI. It's very easy to get caught up in you know in 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 the in the potential that it can offer, but it it's really important that you know we take a measured approach um, and 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 if we do that and we build this capacity at scale at echelon from from grounds up, um, we certainly feel like that is the much more sustainable approach um, to getting to AI. And um, if not, it'll just become a pocket of excellence somewhere. Uh, with a limited set of, you know, use cases and priorities, and we would not have fully benefited from what AI has to offer. 100%. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Iyer. This has been a really great conversation. No, thank you for the opportunity.
Dr. Iyer's big goal this year is to reassess IT policies within the context of big data and AI. Getting the architecture right and identifying the right data standards to achieve interoperability will be critical. To follow along with the Army's digital transformation journey and get more federal IT news and analysis, follow GovCast and check out our website at governmentciomedia.com. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with CyberCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 